Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said. You know, there is a lot of discussion right now about this concept of quiet quitting. You may have seen examples of it and references to it on social media. And if you type it into your browser, you'll find a lot of articles and results on this topic. Now, for those who aren't as familiar, let me quickly level set what this concept refers to. It's not actually about quitting per se. Quiet quitting refers to essentially just doing the minimum in your job, not necessarily trying to get fired or trying to leave or quit, but instead just fulfilling the basic parameters of your job description. The term is also used to apply to dialing back when you're overwhelmed or in periods of your life when you need more time for non-work related responsibilities or even hobbies. The objective of dialing back and making more time and more space for other aspects of your life certainly isn't a bad thing. That's a good thing. But since quiet quitting is really more of a passive aggressive approach, I'm going to argue that there's a better way than just fading back. Really a way to accomplish your goal of getting more time and balance while at the same time preserving your credibility and building your influence. Now, let's take a step back for a second and talk a little bit more about this concept and I'm going to give you a little bit more background on it. Some of the experts attribute this phenomenon to the pandemic and to the side effect that remote work can, not always, but can, discourage employee engagement. COVID, of course, did a number on employee engagement programs. Onboarding programs were either scrapped or were relegated, often out of necessity, to virtual experiences where direct engagement was either non-existent or was really less effective. And this was especially true for much younger employees or for those who were just entering the workforce, those who had nothing to compare the experience to. But in reality, this idea of quiet quitting is not a new concept. Many people have been doing this for years. It's even been lampooned in TV shows like The Office. 
quiet quitting, both pre- and post-pandemic, has never lent itself to helping people build the influence needed to pave the way to something else and to get what you really want out of life, especially if it's something beyond what you're currently doing. We spend a tremendous amount of time at work building both financial capital and I would argue potential influence capital. That influence capital is something we can deploy in a myriad of ways to help us achieve other things in our lives. Work is an investment. You invest your time, your energy, your brain power towards some type of shared objective that meets a need or that solves a problem. You are generating something of value that someone else will pay for. The challenge comes when we don't feel connected to some higher purpose, when either the employer doesn't spend the time to help employees feel connected to that bigger goal or objective, and the employer maybe isn't doing a great job of really communicating that shared mission. Or, on the flip side, when the employee doesn't take the initiative to understand what that connection is and how the employee's value and the value she receives in exchange for her work is actually influence capital that she's building. Even the most basic and entry level of jobs provide value and not just to the employer, but to the employee in terms of the experience she's gaining as well as the credibility potentially that she's building in the job. Those things are fully complementary. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with someone just wanting to do her job and to just meeting basic requirements. But here's the thing. Life is rarely that simple or that straightforward. Or if it is, it won't be for long. And here's what I mean by that. What happens when the lack of challenge and just doing the minimum ends up leaving you feeling even more demoralized? and maybe begins to impact your confidence. Confidence, as we've talked about on this podcast, tends to grow from doing, from mastery of something, and from pushing ourselves to take on new challenges. How does it grow when you are just continually dialing it in? What if, as you engage in quiet quitting, you decide to develop an exciting side hustle or hobby? chances are you're going to need to take some pretty big risks in order to get it launched. Does the fact that you've been just plugging away at the bare minimum in your position help you build that risk-taking capacity? And what if that side hustle might benefit from some support or some backing from your current employer, your colleagues, or even your boss? What if you've just been doing the minimum and not communicating with them about your priorities and how they can better align with those in the organization? The chances that the recommendations you get will be positive will be much less likely. What happens when the job market tightens and you find that you, the quiet quitter, is competing with the person who worked harder to find a connection and a purpose for herself within the organization? What then? Friend, there are alternatives to quiet quitting. 
As I was putting this podcast together and thinking about you, my listener, and how you may be thinking about this concept, my guess is that many of you may be experiencing this from the employer perspective. You may have employees on your payroll who are engaging in quiet quitting. You might even be experiencing this from the perspective of stepping back in your own job or career in order to make time for other things or to get more balance. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with pursuing more balance and nothing wrong with investing in yourself, quite the contrary. But there are ways to do that that allow you to build influence, protect your credibility, and help you maximize the investment of your time in that job, even when it may only be a means to an end. I came up with a few overarching ideas that I think are essential for both the potential quiet quitter and the employer to consider in order to maintain credibility and influence. The first is try to think of and maybe shift your perspective to focus on work as an investment, an investment in yourself. If you take a step back and think about it, how do you think about work? Do you think of it as a means to an end? If you're struggling with this idea of quiet quitting, maybe try to shift your perspective to focus on work as an investment in yourself. For most of us, work is where we spend the majority of our time. Our effort at work is what tends to put food on the table. It helps us pay our bills, our mortgage, our rent. It helps us educate and send our kids off to college to pay for vacations and anything else that we want to do. When we think about it that way, it tends to take on a slightly different meaning. And it also requires us to ask why. Why am I doing this particular job? What am I learning? What can it do for me in the future? It's really important to ask yourself those questions. How is this job an investment in my future? It can be very helpful to have an objective third party help you with this, especially if you're struggling to see the value. If you truly hate your job, but you're not in a position to quit, you may need that help to actually see the value. You might also need to really ask yourself, should I still be here? Am I doing real harm to my career, to my influence, and to my future by staying here? Even if you're thinking about actually quitting and leaving your job, this is still a really important exercise because it can help you lay the groundwork for transferable skills, those skills that you'll need for the next job. Or to shift this and look at it from the employer's perspective, how should the potential quiet quitter on your team think about her trajectory in your organization? How can she more effectively use what she's learning from the experience she's having to grow? What can you, the employer, do to help her feel more connected and maybe more valuable? Or how can you show her how to add more value in ways that will help her feel more invested in your shared objective. Remember, the newer employees on your team may have started work during the pandemic. 
It's all they've ever really known. So it's essential that employers help them understand these concepts that may be less readily apparent to the less tenured employee. And then on the flip side, some employees do need to exit. The, this job may not be the right fit for her and you may not be able to coach her into a better spot. And in that case, a relocation plan may be in order. If you missed my conversation with the amazing Lisa Gable in episode 208, she shares great advice for how the best way is to exit an employee compassionately while still maintaining the relationship. It's really a good one to go back and listen to if this is something that you're struggling with. My second suggestion is to understand your value and, as importantly, how to quantify it. Friend, even if you have no plans to leave your job anytime soon, learning how to quantify the value you provide to your current employer and that you could offer to another employer is key. But here's the thing. If you're busy quiet quitting and just keeping your head down and doing the bare minimum, are you really thinking strategically about your own value, both currently and the potential for greater value with a bit more effort and how all of that is actually not just an investment in the organization, but again, it's an investment in yourself. Otherwise, work that you're quiet quitting is actually a missed opportunity for you, not to mention all the time that you're wasting by not thinking more strategically about how it can contribute to something that is ultimately more meaningful to you when you do decide to transition into something else. My third point is about networking and really building your network at work by making more friends there and not limiting yourself to your direct peers. Work provides the best opportunities to build connections with people who will understand most directly your capabilities and your competencies, as well as the things that you don't do so well. It also provides you an opportunity to learn from those who are in positions that you might want to occupy at some future point. When you are quiet quitting, chances are you aren't maximizing this opportunity as fully. Again, missing an opportunity to invest in your future and to lay some critical groundwork with potential future references and allies. As you think about networking, think about what you can offer in exchange for the connection. And I'm talking, of course, about reciprocity. Reciprocity is one of my favorite concepts related to effective networking. And I have a little rule. Go into the networking conversation with some forethought about what value you might be able to provide in return. If you go into the conversation with that mindset, you are much more likely to not only make the connection with that person, but to actually build a relationship that will be with you, whether you stay in your current job or ultimately move on to something else, or maybe build your own thing. The networking piece can work for the employer as well. 
These network connections can also help the quiet quitter on your team feel more connected at work and feel more a part of a shared mission on behalf of the organization. It likely means that employers need to do a bit more to build that shared connection with the employee and to help her see her future path in a way that she might not have considered otherwise. Number four relates to engaging more, which may sound a little strange. Even when you're burned out, sometimes engaging differently can give you some much needed momentum. Time management and productivity expert Laura Vanderkam has written a new book called Tranquility by Tuesday. In it, she talks about one way to really fight burnout, which as we've discussed can lead to quiet quitting, is to actually increase your engagement in other areas that give you lift and purpose and that ultimately can boost your confidence. Laura will actually be joining us on She Said, She Said podcast next week to talk about the book. It's available now for pre-order, and I've included a link in the show notes for this episode where you can order it. This is actually Laura's second appearance on She Said, She Said podcast. She's terrific, as is her new book. I highly recommend it. My last suggestion is a really simple one, and I think it will seem obvious, but you know, sometimes the obvious gets overlooked. Communicate more. If you are engaged in quiet quitting and feeling like you're not achieving your potential, talk to your boss. Try to have a conversation with that person. It's almost always worth the effort, and it can often make a big difference in both showing that you care and that you're trying to strike a balance between your work and your personal life. Work rarely happens in a silo. It's part of a team effort, and it's part of this tapestry that makes up where you spend the bulk of your time. The best of bosses and employers seek to understand and maintain engagement with the folks on their teams, even those who are maybe having trouble staying engaged. It's worth having those conversations. When done well, and in the interest of both the organization and your future, you are much more likely to build influence and credibility than you are to lose it. Friend, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this or any other topic, and also your suggestions for making sure you preserve your influence at times when you decide to dial back. I'd really love to hear. Now, before I let you go this week, I want to share our latest She Said, She Said podcast milestone, which only happened because of you. Last week, we hit and surpassed our 200,000th download mark, and we have continued to climb as a top-rated career podcast. Those things only happened because you join me here each week and you are making an investment in you. And I am truly, truly grateful and gratified that you're finding value in this content and that you see it as a worthwhile investment in your time and in yourself. A big, big thank you to you. I am really, really grateful. I'll be back again next week. My guest will be the incredibly thoughtful time and productivity expert, Laura Vanderkam. Her new book, Tranquility by Tuesday, will also be released next week, and we'll be talking about it, so please be sure to pre-order it. Until then, you take care, and I'll see you next week.
She Said, She Said podcast is a weekly production of She Said, She Said Media.